0: Hello, I'm Carl Oaks and it's my pleasure to welcome you to The Way of the Higher Self. This is a spiritual path of self-transformation with an emphasis on specific evolutionary practices. It's suitable for people in the early stages of personal growth as well as for those who have been working their path for a long time. And I want to emphasize that wherever you are on your journey, I honor the work you've done to get there and I'm grateful for your willingness to consider what's offered here. So, from that place of respect and appreciation, I'd like to ask you the following questions. Do you wanna be more grounded, more loving, and more effective in pursuing your goals? Would you like to be freely and fully yourself, justifiably trusting that your words and actions will always be constructive? Would you welcome a relaxed and yet passionate life with real and rewarding relationships, uninhibited creativity, and commitment to a spiritual life task? From my own experience, I know that if you're willing to work this path persistently, it will give you all of that. If you'd like to join me for this and other episodes, I'll show you how. Hi, I'm Carl. I'm really, really glad that you're here. Let's just jump right into it. This is the first of a two-part introduction to the first practice of the way of the higher self, uh, feel all our feelings. And in this part, I'm gonna tell you how we interfere with the natural organic flow of our feelings, why we do that, what the costs are or the disadvantages are to us in terms of the quality of our life, and what the benefits would be if we could learn to allow our feelings to flow more freely. And just as kind of a preview of what the benefits are, because I think it's always good to talk about those up front. Um, we're talking about more psychic energy to invest in our lives in a, in a more positive way, uh, more of a sense of being connected to ourselves and understanding ourselves, and less of Uh, the kinds of conflicts and uh, difficulties that arise when we're not really in touch with what we're actually feeling and when we're not experiencing that. Um, When I'm done with that, I'm going to stop there and then there'll be a second episode in which I'll give you some very concrete techniques that you can use on a daily basis uh, to unblock whatever feelings might be blocked, to... uh, kind of take any feelings that you might be diverting into different channels and bringing them bringing them back into the channels that they're organically meant to flow in. Um, and over time, you know, it's not going to happen right away, um, you will find that that will change uh, the way you relate to your feelings, the way you handle them, and it will improve the quality of your life. But anyway, let's go back to had the how and the why and the costs and the benefits Um, and before we even do that let's just lay a little bit of a foundation okay like what are we talking about when we talk about feelings what are they I'm not going to try to answer that in some kind of scientific or technical way Um, and I'll also mention that myself I use the word emotions and feelings interchangeably there are People who draw what is I guess a valid distinction uh, between emotions which are the kind of um, body reactions that we have and then feelings being kind of more of our interpretation of that. Uh, That's not necessary for our purposes so I'm just going to use the words interchangeably. What I am going to do to answer this question is to give you just a really short working list of some of the feelings. Uh, the important feelings that we need to be aware of uh, in order to do this kind of work. So um, there's joy and compassion on what we might think of as the positive side of the scale, although there aren't really uh, any actual negative emotions, all right? There are emotions that don't feel good, uh, that are not enjoyable, uh, but they all serve a purpose and if they're uh, kind of flowing the way they're meant to, in the right uh, conditions, then they're not, you know, quote unquote bad. But the next four uh, are a little more difficult for most of us to experience. Anger, shame, sadness, and fear. Now you might be thinking, there's all kinds of, um, uh, all kinds of emotions I'm not seeing here. Like, what about anxiety? Well for our purposes, we can just kind of, that's fear, okay, um, you could say that there's a distinction, it doesn't matter, you know, just for the purposes of working with feelings, um, that's close enough, all right, or you might say, uh, well, what about frustration, well, it's, a, it's anger, really, you know, it's not the same in tonality, intensity, as other kinds as rage, for example, but it's okay. Anger is specific enough for that. And so if you notice up here in the the, uh, positive realm, we just have joy and compassion. Um, Joy, you know, encompasses basically all the positive stuff. In other words, uh, you might say, well, I felt delight. All right, we can call that joy. Uh, The only one that's important to kind of... uh, Parse out of all of that is compassion, because it's a very important emotion to have towards ourselves um, when we do the work of observing ourselves. The next practice after this one is observe ourselves with maximum honesty and compassion, um, and the compassion is really essential to that. Because if we try to look at ourselves and uh, we, when we see something we don't like, if we go to shame or you know judgment then that kind of stops the process. Compassion is really important to keep that process going. All right, so um, that's the answer to what are feelings in this context. Um, It's also maybe useful to think of three basic categories of feelings. Um, The first being just organic, present feelings, such as, for example, I see a cute little puppy, and I have this feeling of warmth, you know, which I would call joy in our in our six uh part system there, or six part you know classification um and and that's something I don't really need to do anything about. I can observe it and enjoy it. um The only time it's a problem is if it's blocked um and some of them. You know, less pleasant feelings, like fear, um, can be an organic, uh, present feeling in certain circumstances. You know, uh, looks like a car's gonna cross the dividing line and hit me, I'm gonna feel fear. I don't really have to analyze that or, or, or worry about it. Um, it's only when those feelings are blocked that it's a problem. The second uh, type of feeling that we might just want to keep in mind, is evoked past feelings that are, that are accessible to us. Um, so that's, for example, um, let's say I come home, I say to my wife, hi, I'm home, and she doesn't answer me. Um, let's say that's because she's on the phone or because she just didn't hear me. Um, I, however, uh, when I was a child, my dad was always preoccupied, he was always off in his own world, um, he had some trauma from World War II and, uh, kind of lived in a little bubble as a result of that, and, um, you know, my, my feeling about that, my kind of primary feeling about that was sadness that he didn't love me or didn't seem to love me, and, um shame because I took that on and I thought it was my fault and then that would get covered uh, by anger which is something I'm going to talk about in a minute about how uh, feelings kind of go from from one primary feeling to to a secondary feeling so I have anger around uh, that's kind of waiting lurking there waiting for somebody to ignore me and then it'll jump up okay so um that's an accessible feeling for me, it's not, it's not hard for me to go there, but it's about my past, okay? And so when it comes up in the present uh, around somebody uh, appearing to ignore me today, um, that's, that's an opportunity for me to do work, that's an opportunity for me uh, to kind of understand myself better and to clear some, uh, some things up in there and to go through some of those past feelings of sadness and shame that are underneath that anger. Um, and, and so that's why it's important to, um, to allow all of this to happen and going to the second practice to observe it. Okay, and then finally, um, we have thwarted past feelings. Um, a good and sad example of that. Um, was my mom, for example, who her dad died when she was four years old. Uh, my grandmother was this very stern woman um, who w- did not, I guess, want to have her own feelings about my grandfather dying stimulated, so she kind of would not allow my mom to go through a natural grieving po- process. She couldn't be sad. She had to pretend to be happy. Um, so her feeling of, uh, of sadness were thwarted and um, in later in her lifetime she didn't even kind of know any of that. You know, it was, it was so buried and so kind of pressed down um, and, and had been so interrupted um, that it was not accessible to her anymore. And those feelings obviously are going to be harder to deal with and I'm not really going to try to tackle that in this episode, but um, I wanted to just kind of uh, lay that kind of classification out there just uh, as something we can refer to as we go along. Okay, so um, that's kind of what feelings are. Let's talk about how we interfere with them. So everybody's you know, different, of course, everybody has particular feelings they're more or less comfortable with and, you know, ways that they go about things. But we can generalize here and we can say that there are four techniques uh, that everybody uses to some extent. The first being suppression, which is just to kind of erect a mental wall there so and, and push the, the feeling that we don't want to feel, push it down out of consciousness um, and uh, then the second technique is kind of a an ally to suppression, it's denial. Um, there's this kind of cliché interaction that you see sometimes in movies or on TV where somebody says, I'm not mad and the other person says, well you, you sure seem like you're mad and the first person says, I'm not mad, you know. Um, the uh, purpose of denial, really, is to make it easier to suppress something. Because if, if we're aware that we're suppressing, then just that awareness, just, just the thought, oh, I'm really angry, but I'm doing my best not to feel it, kind of opens the door to that anger coming up. You know, it's kind of the the nose of the camel into the tent. um, And it makes us have to work harder to keep everything uh, suppressed. So um, that's the second technique. The third technique I was sort of alluding to before is re-channeling, you could call it, for instance. and what that means is taking feelings that are not comfortable and uh, changing them into something else. So, um, a, a really common example of that is let's say parents observe their children or a child doing something that's really dangerous. And so, it, the first reaction to that is fear. And then they go and they intervene and they kind of, you know. Straighten out the situation and then almost always the next thing that happens is that there's anger because fear is uncomfortable to be with and Anger even though it's maybe not all that pleasant either is easier to be with and it and it contains within it the illusion of power the the basis of fear is I'm powerless something terrible is going to happen to me so taking the energy of the fear and kind of converting it to anger uh, ha- has the benefit of, of uh, going from powerlessness to the illusion of power. Now, let me just mention that for the child, it's really confusing, okay, because on the one hand, the message is, I love you, I don't, get, I don't want you to get hurt, uh, I, I want to save you here, and on the other uh, at the same time, the message is, you're really bad, you shouldn't do that. Um, and that's just kind of one tiny example of how when we mess with the organic flow of feelings, um, there are bad consequences. It would be better for the parent to stay and in fear and to communicate it, to say, that really scares me. I want to make sure this doesn't happen again. Maybe I'm not going to let you, you know, play in Susie's yard anymore, I don't know what, you know, I, I'm, but the point is, if it were to come from fear rather than anger, um, it would be maybe more wholesome and less confusing to the child. Um, okay, so, and then the final way that we interfere is by numbing. And the problem with numbing is that it's really hard to do it selectively. Okay, so it becomes uh, generalized numbing. What I mean by that is that, you know, let's say I don't want to feel shame. Uh, if, I, if there were a way that I could just kind of numb myself ar- around the, the shame emotion, if there were some dial I could turn there, that would be great. But basically, uh, that doesn't exist in our psyches, so uh, numbness, however we achieve it, um, is is, uh, accomplished in a more general kind of way. We just kind of go numb altogether. For instance, let's talk about what that might look like. Um, It it could look like um, addiction, right? I could just get into substances that that took those feelings away, Um, or I could... Really, really, really focus on my work all the time, or and and then sort of so that I'm in my head constantly and my feelings are numb. Um, or it could even be like this deliberate attitude that I might uh, adopt um, of you know f- basically false serenity. You know, I could kind of pretend to be in a place where. I'm above my feelings and um, I don't need to feel upset. And um, that, that I, I say pretend because um, that only works when kind of things are going kind of okay for us. And, and um, often it breaks down under circumstances where we're dealing with something particularly stressful or, you know, we're tired and, and you know, we can't sort of keep ourselves in that place. Um, So these are the four basic methods that we use. Um, I just want to go back to rechanneling for a second and and mention something which is that um, and and something that rechanneling and actually suppression both have in common which is that they can be uh, reflexive, they can be basically unconscious, they can be habitual Um, or they can be deliberate, okay, so um, there are times uh, when you'll talk to somebody when they, or or you'll notice it in yourself, where they're basically saying, I I don't want to think about that, I don't want to feel that, Um, in in the case of suppression, or uh, in the case of rechanneling, where they might say, um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, take that and I'm going to turn it into a positive feeling. You know, the, in the old days, the kind of old-fashioned expression for that was, you know, turn, turn a smile upside down. So, uh, I'm sorry, turn a frown upside down. Uh, yeah, turn a frown into a smile, in other words, okay? So it would be a deliberate going from, let's say, anger or from sadness to joy in a, in a manipulative kind of way in a way that comes from will, rather than from, you know, the organic movement uh, of the feelings. So, um, that covers the how. The next thing we want to talk about is why. Why do we do this? And there are probably more than three reasons, but three good reasons that we do it, um, are that as, you have to remember that as children, We have very limited capacity. Our egos aren't that well developed. And so if we have really intense feelings, uh, particularly like when we're infants, for example, mom leaves the room um, and as an infant, we don't know, is she ever gonna come back? Am I alone forever now here? And that's this overwhelming feeling of sadness, not to mention fear. Uh, So uh, the first reason that we try to block feelings is fear of annihilation uh, fear that the, the feeling is going to be so incredibly overwhelming that it's basically going to destroy our psyches uh, so that's one reason um, another reason that we do this is fear of retaliation or punishment uh, if for example I'm really mad at my parents as a child. um, I might, for example, say, I hate you. And then if they uh, don't react well to that and they punish me for it, now I'm going to have a fear whenever I'm feeling like I hate my parents or I'm mad at them, that I'm going to get punished for it. So I better not allow myself to feel that anger because it's dangerous. And then uh, another reason that's very related to this is that i might internalize um, this punishment a little bit and then i might feel shame uh, for or guilt you know but we'll call it shame for having a particular feeling and so i don't want to feel the shame because the shame's unpleasant so i pretend to myself that i don't have the feeling i suppress it okay or i find in some cases i'll I will accomplish the same thing by rechanneling as opposed to to by uh, suppressing or I'll go numb or whatever. But these are my motivations. So these are the three reasons why um, we interfere with the flow of our feelings. Let's talk about what the consequences of doing that are. And they're not good, so uh, let's call them, let's say, costs of doing that. And the first is that it's a big psychic drain because especially suppression takes a lot of psychic energy. It's not as though you can just construct a psychic wall in your psyche, put anger on one side of it or fear on one side of it, put yourself on the other, and then you're done. You know, that wall stays there for the rest of your life or for as long as you want it to. It needs constant, uh, it needs constant support. It needs constant, uh, you know, energy to remain solid and to, and, and to work. Uh, the, the best evidence of that is the way that we tend to be a lot more irritable and uh, just N- n- you know, in a different place with a lot more negative feelings coming to the surface when we're really tired, because when we don't have the resources, the psychic resources available to maintain that wall, you know, stuff will pour through. So that's one. Uh, that's one negative consequence or one cost. Of the normal kind of interfering that we do all the time with our feelings. The next is self-alienation. What this means is that we don't really know who we are. We aren't quite in touch with ourselves because our feeling experience is fundamental to who we are. Uh, It's not something we can cut off and park somewhere and then you know, have our wholeness remaining. Um, so we are cut off, and the impact that that has on our life uh, is is can be kind of severe. I mean, for one thing, it just doesn't feel good. Um, it's not, we're, we're cut off from ourselves, so we're cut off from pleasure, we're cut off from... Uh, the, the basic experience of being a human being, and, and so we're deprived. Um, and then the other thing that happens because we're self-alienated is that um, we are difficult to be with, either because we're kind of present, you know, we cons- we say, okay, I don't really know who I am, but I think This version of who I would like to be seems pretty good, so I'll put that out there. You know, we put out a kind of a mask. And then people, even if they're not, even if they can't put that into words, they're subtly aware of that, and it just doesn't feel quite right. Um, And so they tend to distance from us a little bit. And if we're really, really out of touch with ourselves to the extent that we're kind of groping internally, and and uh, you know, kind of at sea, people tend to react to that. Uh, it would be nice if they reacted with compassion. People tend to have kind of a cringe reaction to that a little bit. So the worse off we are in terms of self-alienation, the more difficult it is that for us to have satisfying uh, human contact. And so that brings us to uh, the third cost which is lack of intimacy if, if I can't really have connection with myself um, it's very difficult for me to have connection with others um, partly because I just can't bring myself into the situation in an organic way and partly because I can't really empathize I can't put myself in someone else's shoes um, if I can't kind of make that same kind of empathetic connection with myself. So uh, these two things, self-alienation and and lack of intimacy, uh, together create isolation and, uh, and, and despair even if in extreme cases and then i kind of alluded to the fourth thing already but just to spell it out uh conflict with others is uh really a necessary result of self or a, often a necessary result of self alienation again let's go back to that um example that i was talking about where i come home and i'm um uh, my my wife doesn't uh, respond to me when I say hello um, if I'm connected to myself I feel the maybe shame maybe uh, sadness first or at very least I feel that anger and I'm aware that I'm angry and um, so I don't just I don't just automatically react and, and uh, start to be aggressive towards her. I have the opportunity to say to myself, Aha, uh-huh, what's going on here? Okay, um, so, but if I don't, if, if I'm self alienated, I don't have that opportunity. And so, I'm going to be a lot more uh, automatic and reflexive in my reactions and not think about whether what I'm doing and saying is constructive and that's going to create, you know, conflict with other people. Okay, so um, if these are the costs, what would the benefits be if we could learn to uh, allow our feelings to flow organically? A a simple answer to that would be, well, this psychic drain and this self-alienation and this lack of intimacy and this conflict with other people would cease. and that's, that's a pretty good answer, but let's just spell it out a little bit more, in a little bit more detail, okay? Um, the first thing that's going to happen is that if we stop suppressing, all right, uh, there's going to be a big release of energy that we can use for other things. By other things, I mean... Uh, relationships, or uh, creativity, Um, you know, we can invest in our lives this energy that is released from the task of maintaining that wall. Um, And at the same time, having that energy in our system is just going to make us more conscious. It makes us more online. Uh, It's like basically waking up, you know, it's, there's more, there's more neurons firing, there's more consciousness, and that's a good thing. Uh, The second benefit uh, of letting our our emotions or feelings flow organically is that we're going to have self-knowledge because these feelings give us information about who we are, if I'm aware that I'm angry at my wife because she appears to be ignoring me, I can, first of all, it's just a good thing to know, okay, because it might explain why we've had issues in the past um, around this particular thing, Um, but it's also uh, something that I can use to get to know what was going on between my, myself and my father better, and to maybe understand other impacts uh, that that relationship had, other ways that maybe I'm having past evoked accessible feelings uh, that are not really about what's happening in the present, but what, about what's happening? Uh, what was happening a long time ago that the present is reminding me of. Another uh, benefit, well, the benefit if you take these two things and you put them together, release of energy and self-knowledge, you're talking about the ingredients of a fuller and happier life. Um, Because I'm more alive, I have more energy, I can use that energy productively, uh, I have more consciousness, and uh, I have raw material that I can use to get to know myself better and then finally the last uh or man, not the last in this list there might be other things um but uh, uh, another benefit is that we come out of distortion and this um I think of as a spiritual benefit uh, by spiritual I just mean that it's it's totally basic like it it it's more fundamental than our ego or than who we think we are or than our, than our human form. It's just on some very fundamental energetic level. Um, to the extent that we're doing all those things I was talking about, suppressing and rechanneling and numbing and all of that, um, we're, we're not being true. We're not being who and what we actually are. And that creates a basic stress. Uh, that's, you know, um, that's just like an, an interference pattern, I guess would be a way to put it in, in terms of physics. But it's friction. It's, it's things not being the way they're supposed to be. And there's just this great relief when we come out of distortion when distortion ends and it's just this feeling of well-being uh, that is just delightful um, so this is why it's worth our time to do the exercises or the techniques that I'm going to talk about in the second part of this introduction so just before I go to that I want to circle back to to something I meant to say before um, and just kind of, you know, complete something here. Um, and that is that, um, I, I want to talk about anxiety and depression for a second. Anxiety, of course, is really fear, but um, let's just call it that for now. Anxiety and depression. I want to relate them because these are things that, these are so important to so many people you know so many of us suffer from anxiety and or depression a lot of people are medicated because of anxiety and or depression um, and I, I just want to propose another way of looking at them in the context of the things that we've been talking about okay um, consider that anxiety might be um, the, the Suppression mechanism beginning to fray a little bit, and the psyche being aware that the feeling that is being fended off uh, is really close to the surface or might be triggered in this particular situation. Um, It might be like, Oh, if I go in and ask for a raise, you know, this is gonna lead to this, I'm gonna feel you know, inadequate, I'm going to feel shame um, because they're going to say no and then I'm going to feel the way I used to feel when uh, I was chastised by my parents or caregivers as a child. Uh Uh-oh, that's scary. I don't want to feel shame, anxiety, okay? Just consider that the next time anxiety comes up in your experience, uh, Consider looking at it that way and see if that makes sense to you. Is there something that I ordinarily suppress that, is, that, that might become an experience for me uh, in, in light of some trigger that is happening now or that is potentially, uh, that I'm aware is potentially going to happen? And I, am I afraid basically to feel anger, shame, sadness, or fear. You know, fear of fear is a thing. Um, you know, just, just run that by yourself the next time you're feeling something like anxiety. Um, and on the subject of depression, I wanted to say that um, I, I talked about psychic drain, okay? If you're suppressing a lot and it's wearing you out, Um, that is something that can contribute to depression Um, but it also has a relationship to numbing in two different ways Uh, one is that if you numb a lot if that's your solution to or a a go-to solution for you to avoid feelings that you um, don't want to feel the impact of that it's that your life becomes kind of flat and empty, okay? And then so you're not getting a lot of pleasure and that can then lead to depression. Uh, the other way that uh, depression works though, uh, the, the other relationship to numbing is that depression can be the, the numbing of choice, In other words, there can be an intention, excuse me, an intentionality to depression. It can be basically, I'm going to depression because when I'm depressed, then uh, I'm essentially numb and I don't have to worry about feeling things I don't want to feel. That was a go-to for me. I started doing that um, in middle school or high school. I, I, let's say high school, um, I remember, you know, this kind of unconscious, uh, not really deliberate decision, except that it was deliberate, you know, I just kind of got comfortable there, um, and thought this solves, uh, because I was, I was feeling, incredible anxiety at that time in my life for and I won't go into the whole story but uh, it was very very uh, hard to be with and being depressed wasn't wasn't fun but it was better so um, these are just things you know to think about um, take it or leave it but I wanted to put it out there um, so now I think we're done and We can move on to part two of the introduction um, which is the techniques to use to turn all of this around and make it more wholesome and productive for you. So I'll see you then, thanks. Thank you for giving your time and attention to this episode of The Way of the Higher Self. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful and I hope you'll come back for more personally i'd love for us to stay connected if you feel the same way i hope you'll subscribe to the way of the higher self youtube channel and or the podcast on your favorite podcast platform you can also visit the self.com where you'll find a growing library of materials to help you manifest your most evolved and positive qualities while you're there Sign up for email alerts and we'll keep you informed as more content is added to take your practices to a deeper level. Until next time, no matter what life may bring, I wish you maximum progress on your path.